0: Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Week's almost done, guys. It is Thursday, and welcome to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again, Joey Martin, for introducing the show today. I am D.C. Lundberg, and you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally like to use. Download, rate, and subscribe to this program. Please also ask your smart device to play Lockdown Mariners Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you are scoring at home. Today continues our week-long series focusing on the best Mariners position by position of all time. Today we are talking about the corner outfielders, left fielders in the first half, and then B-Block will be doing right fielders, or we'll be talking about the right fielders in any case. And here to help me with that endeavor, Once again, all this week, Lockdown Mariners contributor Jonathan Miller. Jonathan, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here again.
0: And it's a pleasure to have you. We both have identical lists for left fielders, don't we? Yes, we do. Because, and I'm sure that you out there listening realize this, that left field is probably the weakest position that the Mariners have had historically. There have been a few decent ones who have stuck around for a few seasons But not really any one superstar that has stuck around like Ken Griffey Jr. did in center field or the top two right fielders that we both have for our list. They were both Mariners for a long period of time. Number three for both of us was Tom Pishorek who in his 403 games as a Mariner, 1,384 at-bats, accumulated a 296 average, 343 on base, and 460 slugging. Good contact guy, didn't strike out too much. A little bit of extra base pop, average defense. The one thing that Tom Peshorek probably is most remembered for, John, the, and these are all on YouTube, the television commercials. Yes. He, Rich Little, he was not but <laughs> that was kind of part of his charm because his imitations were so bad but again, that was kind of part of his charm and who can forget the commercial for Funny Nose Glasses Night or it was actually Jacket Night but he had the nose glasses in that one
1: yeah, he I, he had the nose glasses in the two of them, I believe
0: the first time they did it it was actually Jacket Night and the joke of the commercial was that Peshorek had the wrong item the nose glasses but then everybody showed up to the kingdom expecting to see the nose glasses so a couple months later they actually had to do Funny Nose Glasses night and I think that was 1982 if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, let's move on to the number 2 left fielder. Our lists are identical once again. I will let you talk about the second gentleman.
1: The number 2 on our list is Phil Bradley. In his 607 games with the Seattle Mariners, he had a slash line of 3.01, 3.82, 449, he slugged 52 home runs, had 234 RBIs, had 112 doubles and
0: 26 triples. He was a good extra-base guy especially towards the end of his Mariners tenure, not all that much home run pop, but he became a good doubles hitter and he is one of only 4 players to hit 300 over 300 as a Mariner and the 3.82 on base percentage is also pretty impressive.
1: Yes it is.
0: Number 1 is Raul Ibanez. I kind of split. He had three different tenures with the Mariners. I forgot about the third one. I remember him coming up as a kid where he was a first baseman, left fielder, right fielder, and an emergency catcher. He then went to Kansas City and I think a couple other teams, or maybe just Kansas City, where he found his stroke. And when he came back in 2004, he played through 2008, and those are the numbers I'm going to highlight. He played 755 games in those seasons. He slashed 291, 354, 477 a little bit more home run pop than i remember at 113 home runs the doubles are what i remember he was a good extra base guy 174 doubles almost 500 rbi kind of league average difference he he kind of lost a step from season to season and became a below average left fielder towards the end of his tenure but he was in his late 30s by that time uh anything else to add about raul john
1: uh you mentioned being a, a catcher surprisingly he only caught once in his major league career but he was a catcher in the minors
0: he came up as a catcher and i don't know why they moved him maybe the defense just wasn't up to snuff or maybe he thought or maybe they thought that he was going to be a good hitter so they wanted to kind of preserve that and it's that certainly extended his career he played into his 40s which most catchers do not do the only one I can think of who did that was Pat Borders who caught all the time he also when he first came up he didn't look like the fastest guy in the world but he was a pretty good base runner he was which he was described as sneaky fast which is in some ways kind of a, like a backhanded compliment but he could he could move a little bit he wasn't a base stealer by any stretch of the imagination but he knew when to take the extra base and he knew what the outfielders were doing and he knew what he was doing on the base paths which is kind of a lost art
1: it really is and i'll just say i i thought he was incredibly fun to watch just throughout his career he was he's probably one of my all-time favorite mariners
0: And he was also one of those Mariners who went on all the caravan tours. He, you know, kind of stepped up to the forefront. Very, very good in the community. Very marketable. Very good guy. And who can forget the radio commercial where they said, "I spell Raul with seven U's." (laughs) Remember, remember how in. particularly safe go Field when he came back. However, we was a Raul, and then they would play for his walk-up song, The Werewolves of London, because of that. I, I do remember that, yes. He was a fan favorite. He was a good Mariner, fun to watch, number one left fielder for both of us of all time in Mariner's history. And for honorable mentions in left field, there are quite a few names that I can think of, but they either played maybe one season or a half a season for various reasons, and I'll get into that. I'll let you go first, John. Is there anybody that you want to mention? For left field?
1: I have as my honorable mention first up is Greg Briley. Oh,
0: yes, good choice.
1: And then second, Michael Saunders.
0: Oh, yeah, the Condor. The Condor, Michael Saunders. For my honorable mentions, I kind of went in a different direction only because, as I said, the Mariners have had so many left fielders who have played a brief period of time. They didn't have very many left fielders who stuck around for an extended period of time. When Jose Cruz Jr. came up in 1997, I thought he was going to be the one to you know, play for years and years in left field next to Kenny Griffey Jr., but the Mariners were in the pennant race that year when they were kind of forced to trade him to the Blue Jays for bullpen help because their bullpen was just awful at that point. We ended up getting Mike Timlin and, of course, Paul Spall Jarek out of that deal, so it was not a good trade. And they wound up acquiring Roberto Kelly for the stretch drive. And I think Joe Mays was the prospect who went to the Twins in that one. The season prior in 1996, they acquired Mark Witten, I think from the Braves, for a single-A pitcher. I could not figure out for the life of me why the Mariners did not make more of an effort to sign Mark Witten to a long-term deal. I know that there has got to be a reason, maybe a contract dispute or something. Maybe he wanted too much money, but he hit when he was in Seattle. He became a fan favorite very, very quickly. He was clutch. His glove may have not been the best in left field, but when he was in left field and Griffey was in center and Jay Buhner was in right field. Those three outfield arms were probably the best in the league at that time.
1: You don't have any question in my mind.
0: (laughs) And I know there there were a couple others I was going to mention. Rich Amaral played played a bunch in left field, but he was really more of a utility guy, played a lot at second base. Just left field is a very bizarre position in Mariner's history. And with that, we're going to take a break and pose today's Mariner's trivia question. An outfield-type question, since these are all themed this week. Who was the last Seattle Mariner to regularly wear number 42? If you have a question for me or a comment on the show, please send an email to lockedonmariners@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and I'll consider using it for the Friday mailbag segment. Locked On Mariners will continue as soon as these commercials that they digitally insert into my program have concluded. Hey, this is Dylan Short, host of the Locked On Braves podcast, and you're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you very much, Dylan Short. Do go check him out on Locked On Braves. This is DC Lundberg bringing you back to Locked On Mariners and also offering the answer to the trivia question. The last Mariner to regularly wear number 42 was Butch Husky. An outfielder who played for the Mariners for about half a season in 1999. Jackie Robinson's number 42 was retired in 1997, but players who were wearing it at the time were allowed to wear it throughout the remainder of their major league careers, which is why Butch Husky was allowed to wear it as a Seattle Mariner. Getting back to the top three Mariners position by position, moving into right field, John's list and my own again are very similar in this regard but there is one difference and that is the number three position for both of us I'll let John go first you know what let's do this differently since our number threes are different let's go one two three this time who is number one
1: number one is Ichiro Suzuki
0: yeah without question he's got to be the number one right fielder his first stint with the team his first 11 full seasons 2001 through 2011 uh 1749 games al- almost 7500 at bats he slashed 326 370 421 he had more home run power than he let people realize during games because he could crush him in batting practice, but that wasn't his modus operandi during games. Just putting the ball in play and making things happen on the base pads is what he liked to do. He stole 423 bases, which I believe is the Mariners' record. And of course, he has that outstanding defense in right field. The arm, the range, the glove. It was all out of this world. Number two is Whom.
1: Number two is Jay Buhner, the bone.
0: Who might be my all-time favorite Mariner.
1: Oh, he's a favorite of many. He's definitely up there with me.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I talked about Ichiro's stats, so why don't you talk about the bone?
1: Oh, it'd be a pleasure. And Buhner's time with the Seattle Mariners, and all but 32 games of his career were with the Seattle Mariners. Those Uh few games were with the New York Yankees.
0: Yep, as uh, was so noted on Seinfeld, I believe. I believe you're right. <laughs> i n- never seen a show in my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I have. Oh, well. In Buhner's time with the Mariners, he had a 255, 360, 497 slash line. He had 307 home runs, 951 RBIs, 231 doubles,
0: 19 triples. And he had a very good eye. I know he struck out a ton, but he walked almost 800 times, 788 walks. That His on-base percentage is 105 points higher than his batting average. He had a very good eye. And as far as his defense goes, he won a gold glove in 1997, and he earned it. He may have not had the best range in right field, but he might have had the top arm in the American League at that time. And what he got to, he played. He didn't boot many of them.
1: No, he really didn't. He was known for, at times, putting his body on the line. I'm sure we all remember him going over the only five-foot wall there at Fenway Park. Yes, yes.
0: I wish I remembered who pitched that ball, but I believe Scott Hatterberg was the hitter.
1: I think you're right, yeah.
0: And another thing about Buner talking about sacrificing his body, if the Mariners did not play in the Kingdom during the heyday of his career, his knees may have withstood the test of time. He broke down very, very early because of that AstroTurf. Uh,
1: yes, he did. I'm surprised more players didn't, although like Kim Griffey Jr.,
0: well, he did kind of break down when he got to Cincinnati. They played on turf at the time also. He was the Mariners were lucky that that really didn't happen to him when he was in Seattle, but he certainly had those problems when he got to Cincinnati. The one player that surprises me that that didn't happen to is Dan Wilson because of his p- position as catcher. He was a durable dude. And uh, yes, jeez. But we'll talk about him tomorrow. As I said, our top our number 3 right fielder's differ from one another he's got one i've got another and i was kind of debating between the two that we have john who is your number three
1: my number three is al cowens
0: very good choice
1: who for those who may be old enough to remember was with the seattle mariners from 1982 to 1986 Mm -hmm. towards the twilight of his career but he was still swinging pretty good in Cowan's time with the Seattle Mariners, he had a 255, 301, 422 slash line. He had 56 home runs, had 266 RBIs, 17 triples, and 128 doubles.
0: Again, a very good choice. I was debating between him and the guy I chose for my number three spot because Cowan's had more tenure than my number three, Leon Roberts. He spent, I think, two fewer seasons with the Mariners than Cowens did, but he put up better offensive numbers. 393 games, almost 1,300 at-bats, 276, 349, 458 slash line, and as a Mariner, Roberts' defense was superior to Cowens. Roberts had pretty good range from the numbers that I saw, kind of an average glove, and Cowens was in the twilight of his career, and his range and his glove got progressively worse and worse each each season but again since cowens did play more for the mariners i did consider him over roberts but i could i couldn't ignore the defense i couldn't ignore the numbers do you have any honorable mentions in right field
1: I, I, it's funny you should mention that because my number one honorable mention is your number three, Leon Roberts.
0: I'm not surprised. they were. I, I thought that they were so close to each other. And I was it the numbers? Was it the better numbers in defense? Or was it the couple extra seasons of tenure? Because really 400 games and three seasons really isn't a lot if we're talking about the top three players at each position for a team's history.
1: I think it was the games that did it for me.
0: Yeah, that that's exactly, that's why I was considering him. My other honorable mention is a current Mariner, Mitch Haniger. In 316 games so far with the Mariners, he is slashing 271-351-486, and he plays a pretty good right field also. He's got a good arm. I did not I did not get the pleasure to see Cowans or Roberts play personally, so I'm not sure how the right field arms are, but I've obviously seen Mitch Haniger. But again, the tenure, that's really in two and a half seasons. And if you throw out last season's numbers where he only played half the season because he was injured, all those offensive numbers go up because he had a very poor offensive season. So you're really looking at only two full seasons for Maniger versus three for Roberts and five for Cowan. I just could not put him above the other two.
1: Uh, yeah, I also have Manninger as my number two honorable mention.
0: And again, same with left field. There's not a whole lot, you know, beyond that for players who had any sort of tenure at all. It's much more marketed left field than it was right field, but it was mostly a bunch of fourth outfielders. Darren Bragg, I consider more of a left fielder. Um, it was players like that for the most part. I mean, I, and I like Darren Bragg. I'm not taking a swipe at Darren Bragg. I thought he was a good player. Good fourth outfielder, could play all three spots, had a little bit of speed, a little bit of extra base punch. I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Anything else to add, John?
1: Uh, I see another name that had he played a little more for the Mariners, the best hair in baseball may have made my honorable mention.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, of course you're talking about Ben Gamble, I bet, yeah? Yes, sir. Yeah, see that trade at the time didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because the Mariners were giving up a 25-year-old outfielder and a pitching prospect for a 25-year-old outfielder. And the outfielder that the Mariners got back is no longer a Mariner. Domingo Santana is still a free agent. His, de- his defense, man, was just the worst I have ever seen. Talking about Santana, Gamble's okay, and just the energy that that Gamble kind of brings to his to a team he's kind of a kind of a bit of a spark plug and he is fun to watch play the outfield yes he is makes some really good diving catches he gives it his all those are the players that i like time to wrap it up for today john thank you again for joining us please tell people once again for the fourth time this week where <laughs> they can find you on twitter
1: I can be found on the Twitter sphere at SeattlePilot69.
0: Thank you very much. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday. We've actually got two shows, haven't we? Yes, we do. We've got a double dip for you, a double header. First show, we're going to be talking about center fielders and catchers, which I know is an odd combination, but I had to put them somewhere. And then the second show tomorrow, we will be talking about DHs in the first half. And the second half is going to be the mailbag. So join us for both episodes tomorrow right here on Locked on Mariners. And also tomorrow, I will be appearing on Locked on Anaheim Ducks, hosted by Jason Hernandez, who's been on this program a couple of times already. I'll be talking about Hall of Fame outfielder Larry Walker. Yes, on a hockey show. But there is a reason for this. And please check that out tomorrow right here on the Locked on Podcast Network, Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Just to find out what the heck I'm talking about. Also, please download, rate, and subscribe to Locked on Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked on Mariners. Find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Find me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. John's on there also, Seattle Pilots 69. Ask your smart device to play Locked on Fantasy Baseball upon the conclusion of this program. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.